Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect Podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, we have none other than Australian-born actress Kate Nielsen, who moved to LA to continue pursuing a career in acting and producing. She starred in feature films back home and then went on to do a first US movie alongside Robert De Niro in Killer Elite. Her most recent role was playing the lead of Angela in the psychological thriller The Dunes, which was shot in LA and Melbourne, and is out now on Amazon. She's currently working on producing a true crime story out of Kentucky called Nowhere to Run, based on true events which will be presented to Netflix. Guys, we're in for a treat. I'm so honored to get Kate on the show. We've known each other for several years now, and she has been one of the truest advocates towards opening mental health conversations for quite some time now. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Kate. Hi, Glenn. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Oh, you're welcome. As I said, we, we've just been explaining your bio, all the trajectory of what you've done. It's an incredible career you've had. But getting to know you personally over the last few years, you've been one of the hugest advocates towards Imperfectly Perfect campaign, spreading it, talking about it. So I, I, I'm i very honoured for that. Um, but can you take us back to the beginning? Because the person I got to know is very different to an online persona, like a lot of people. What we see from movies, radio, interviews, it is your career. But behind the scenes, you're human, you go through emotions, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Can you take us back to that young girl that went through a marriage, transitioning to Hollywood, getting your first film with Robert De Niro, and just just being pushed into a whole new world? Yeah, well, it's it's funny you say that because, um, you know, like back when I was growing up or even like in the 90s, 80s, like, you know, a lot of the, you know, mental health awareness wasn't wasn't around. You know, like suicide was a really touchy subject when I was growing up. It wasn't like, you know, we didn't have the platforms and, and the available resources that we have today. Uh, so, you know, it was kind of like, you know, new to me. And it wasn't until, you know, if I had known back then, like what I know now, I guess, you know, I probably would have made a lot of different decisions and reached out to people that actually needed help because, you know, I ended up, um, as crazy as this sounds, I ended up dating a really amazing guy uh, who had a beautiful, really, really good looking. He's from Melbourne. Uh, he, you know, he was my neighbor. Um, we dated for a while. We became close friends. We did a lot of things together. And he had an amazing job, high, came from a great family. I'm still really close with his family to this day. Moves to Sydney and then, you know, out of nowhere, like I, I just remember, like I, I got a, a phone call or a message from his sister, um, and I'll never forget it. It literally changed my life because, like, I haven't experienced suicide firsthand, like as close as what I had when this hit home. So, like, Eamon, Eamon was my ex. So, 
he um yeah he took his own life and you know that that for me was like my biggest eye opener I'm like holy shit this is like now I've now I know someone that I've I'm close to that's that I've just lost like this is this is terrifying and if if he can do it like I I never knew like I was literally talking to him like two weeks before this happened and I had no idea what was going on no idea and it wasn't until I spoke to his family and they explained that this had been going on for a while but he was a functioning he had functioning depression which I I knew nothing about I didn't even know you could function when you were depressed um, like, so he could go to work and like, you know, be depressed, but function and hide it. And, um, and that's, that's scary because you just, you just never know. Um, you know, and I just, I had a lot of guilt, I guess, around his death because we were talking about Christmas and me flying up to Sydney and I was coming back from LA, um, to see my family. So I was like, you know, I was excited to see him and I just didn't go. And he, he died like not long after that, you know, after that. And so that's sort of one thing that I, I have a, a really, really big regret in my life um, based around those decisions. And, you know, it's crazy because sometimes darkness finds cracks within the light and, and it wins. And this, in that case, this is what happened with Eamon. And, yeah, so it's a pretty tragic story. So that's sort of like my first real, like, um, eye-opener and a, and a wake-up call as to, like, wow, this this is no joke. Mm. That's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like, when I lost a friend and I'd not seen him for years, and on social media, you, you try and look for things, like, were there any signs? Did I miss something? And it's full of questions, isn't it? Is that how it was oh. for Totally. Like I had so many regrets. I'm like, if only I had gone up there at Christmas and seen him, maybe things would have been different. Like, could I have changed things? Like, oh my God. I mean, you just never know. You just don't know. Um, It's sad. Like I've, and I've had, and then I've had a, a really, one of my best friends who's a bit older, he like committed suicide like a year later. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is scary. These are really successful people that have created successful businesses, have a lot of friends, and everyone should be taken seriously. It's no joke. Um, you know, and if you have to hurt yourself, um, it doesn't matter, like, how bad it is. It's, you know, uh, I don't know. The point is that, you know, if you felt bad enough to cause harm to yourself or to your body, you know, you deserve support. Like there is now help out there that that it, more than ever. There's more help out there now than there ever has been. That's what that's that's what I think. Yeah. Do you find or do you feel that through those experiences, and it's something that we never truly want to experience, do you think it's brought your relationships with people to an even more in-depth when asking, are you okay? And just going that little bit further with people? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Like I'm so more mindful now of what I, how I choose my words with people, um, especially, you know, people that are like friends or like fam, especially like my family, like my mom, like she's really fragile. Like I'm very mindful of that because, you know, like I lost my dad in a car accident. And so 
my mom, and I'm an only child, so my mom went through hell after my dad's death and she became really fragile and she picked up the alcohol. She became almost an alcoholic. Her behaviour became bad when she drank. She was on antidepressants. So I have to be super careful what I say to my mom because I she could – you know, like she's so fragile. I don't want to like hurt her. I don't want her to like feel like she's alone. She's got no one and like make a bad decision. Like I, you know, and I've learned that, yeah, moving forward since Eamon's death, since Razzle's death, um, since my dad's death, like I'm more, far more mindful of, of people's feelings than what I, you know, and I'm very outspoken and sometimes I'm not backwards in coming forward. And that can be a problem for some people. Um <laughs> So I've been like that forever, but I, I definitely am, um, you know, more mindful of how I choose my words, more supportive of people, I guess, um, more focused on the positive and knowing the facts and educating myself. I mean, I'm so much more educated now through having gone through this myself. And I feel like that maybe reduces the stigma or helps reduce the stigma and the discrimination around people with mental disorders. I mean, it helped me. It's helped me grow and learn from from this. So when it comes to that, I mean, people sharing the stories, that's the whole premise behind Imperfectly Perfect campaign. And I remember when I reached out to you without knowing the backstory of you losing your ex, um, your ex-partner, you were straight on board and you went on a couple of radio shows and you was bringing it up and I'm, I'm forever thankful for that. But this whole idea, Theology about storytelling it's how we can all connect together as the public there are resources there but sometimes it's just that you need to be heard and I, yeah I definitely fast, fast way of life it's very hard because people are on the go and your transition from that small town here in Australia to the bright lights of Hollywood I can only assume and because I've been there myself but not in that industry but being around you guys that's even super paced so how do you open those conversations in an area where there's so much noise and there's so much going on and just bring it back to yourself and have those innate conversations to get people to open up? You just like, I've become as crazy as this sounds. Like I have actually, um, I'm living in like one of the most brutal, brutal, harshest cities in the world. There's a lot of expectation to look good. There's a lot of um, bullshit in this town it's not a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of smoke and mirrors. Um, what you see is not what you get in this town. Like, you know, so I have, I've grown a lot. Um, I'm far more humble now. I, I was naive when I first moved here. I'm a lot more humble now. Um, so I just guess like coming, like now that I'm living in a big city, um, you know, I don't think, I, I don't think it's any, more difficult to raise awareness or anything like that I think it's better because there's so much the population here is so big and now a lot of celebrities Sharon Stone's one of them um you know there's a the few of the Baywatch stars like a lot of these people are you know using their platforms using their voices as celebrities even my girlfriend Nikki Will and she's an actress she she uses her platform for great causes and you know we this is the great thing about Instagram and Facebook. I know there's a lot of negatives to it, but the upside is we never used to have the, we never used to have social media. Mm. So now we do. So this is a great opportunity to look at the positives of, you know, having these platforms and using them to, to benefit and help others. 
um, and, you know, create awareness and offer more help. Um, you know, this, the help that was, that was maybe always there, the help, but just no one knew how to access it the way we access it today. So I feel like living in, living, you know, in Los Angeles, um, you know, I, there are upsides and there are downsides, but the upsides are there. The population here is big and, you know, a lot of people, you know, use their, their profiles for good causes. And, and that's what we need to, to, part of it that we need to rely on part of that. Yeah. And, and you've been there how many years now? I've been here seven years. Wow. wow. Yeah. I've been here on a green card for seven years. It's crazy. Part of, yeah, I've, like this is my home now. So I but I, don't forget, I'm like, I, Australia is amazing. I, I can't wait. Like I'm bringing my boyfriend back to Australia. He's never been, he's American. So he's never been. So yeah, so it's crazy. It's a long time. It's gone very quick. That's what I mean. Time flies. You can't turn back time. So, no, you know, exactly. And I was thinking we've, we've obviously gone through a pandemic and I think the last time I caught up with you to shoot for the campaign and everything took you to gold gym. Have you ever been back? <laughs> I haven't, but that was so much fun time. I have not been back, no. But when you get here, well, let's let's go back because that's a, that's a fun gym. No session at the gym. But in in saying that, when it comes to Hollywood, I was asking you how long you've been there because you you've essentially grown a lot in that period. You've seen a lot, and again, another premise of IPC is about removing that mask. And you spoke openly there. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors. So behind the scenes, what people don't see, how hard is it to actually pave the way? Like you said, you're doing really well. Your friend Nick is doing really well. Um, both Australians in a foreign place. How hard is it? Look, I am. Um, it's funny you say that because like I've been work I'm actually working on a, a series at the moment, a true crime series that I'm producing and I, I got the worldwide rights to it. Um, and I, you know, I started working on this project like three years ago and it, it involves a boy that actually like did, is doing right now a lengthy prison sentence. Um, and, you know, like I, it's crazy, but I'm, I'm one of his biggest advocates because I see the prison system. I've flown out there. I've spent a lot of time with this, this boy who um, the crimes that he committed he got a, a double sentence for crimes that weren't even violent and he got a life sentence. Um, it was absolutely outrageous. I mean, the justice system in Kentucky is just so backwards. I can't even describe it. Like I'm also fighting for that as well. Um, so, you know, what happened is like, you know, this boy is in this maximum security prison. I go out there, I see him a lot. I spend a lot of time with him researching this story uh, to get to the truth. And I see I see what's happening in these prisons like and you know this is why I'm an advocate this is part of why I'm an advocate because this is a, the maximum security prisons are not your ever like people like you or an everyday person they don't get to see that I get to see this stuff firsthand I'm actually in there physically in there and you know these these prisoners as some of them, of course some of them are bad but as bad as it is they don't have access they don't have the resources that they should have in these prison systems. And that causes these prisoners to go downhill, act out, um, bad behaviour. Like, as I said, Dalton, he, he's been in there a long time. He's done seven years of a life sentence. He's only young. He's been there seven years. He's only 24 now. He was, 
wow. 17 or 18 when he went into the system. Now he's he's been on bad behavior for slitting his wrists. His mental health went downhill. They so his punishment for hurting himself for slitting his own wrists because obviously he has issues that he needs to speak to a psychiatrist or whatever that whatever help they need. They then throw him into isolation, which is called the hole, um, for six months. And that's their punishment. Six months in isolation in a cell, tiny cell, no television, no phone calls, no privileges, no books. This is your punishment for hurting yourself. So you can imagine being locked up like an animal for six months, how badly your mental health is going to go downhill. Like this is real life. This is in the in the movie in, that we're doing but because it's based on his story. But this is no joke. This is like really happening. And I just want to fight so hard for that because it's just so wrong on so many levels. Like we're living in 2023. We're not in the 70s anymore. Like this has to change. And America is so backwards in so many ways. And it just makes me so angry. And you can hear it in my voice that it, it riles me up. So if I can be an advocate to try and change things and help things and raise awareness through my television series, um, then hell, I'm going to do it. Wow. Good on you. And I know we've spoken about this before. You've been telling me all about it, but wh where does that passion come from? Like, where did you find out about Dalton and like the prison system in itself? Like, because you can, you can tell in your voice, you get so passionate about it. Yeah. Where did it come from? Okay, so I, when I was young, I was always obsessed with true crime, homicide, like a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it, it stemmed from when I was, yeah, young. Uh, so I used to, when I grew up, I used to watch a lot of true crime documentaries. I would read a ton of books on real-life stories. Um, yeah, I, I, my parents were worried about me at one stage when I was in my teens, like, like <laughs> this is not normal. But, you know, it's just curiosity, morbid curiosity. Basically, that's what I put it down to. Um, so then when I was watching, um, my friend is an executive producer on the Dr. Phil show, so I was literally at home, and I love Dr. Phil. I've been to his shows many times. So I was at home one day watching Dr. Phil on TV, and he did this one-hour exclusive interview from the prison in Kentucky with the boy, the boy that I'm now doing the, the TV wow. series based upon. And he, the boy had just been arrested, just gone into jail, wasn't even in the prison system yet. This is before the trial. And um, I remember looking, watching the one-hour interview with Dr. Phil, and I was like, wow, this story is so good. It's about two teenagers that are, fell in love they both come from really poor backgrounds, drug-addicted families, in and out of juvenile detention. Um, she testifies against him at the end, like a Bonnie and Clyde-type themed modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. He gets life. She takes a deal, plea deal, and she, he gets life, and she gets off. And it was her idea to mastermind this whole scheme or plan to run away and commit this two-week crime spree through the South. So I thought about it, and I was like, wow, I've – I wonder if anyone's ever done a series or a movie or a documentary on this story. So basically I, uh, I reached out to um, Dr. Phil's show um, to his producers and I, yeah, they sent me the unedited, unedited interview from the boy from the prison. 
I found out that there was no movie done on it. I reached out to him in the jail. Um, his family then reached out to me and I was on a plane to Kentucky within two weeks of the letter. Um, and I was interviewing him. I was meeting up with the FBI. I was meeting up with the sheriff, the jurors, the defense attorney, the prosecutor, the families, the victims, like you name it. I, I did it. It took me three years that I did it and I've, I've nearly finished it. So and that's how that came about. And now what, after all these years, what does your mum say? Those true crimes. Mum loves it. She's excited. <laughs> she, she knows, yeah. I, but the thing is I've built relationships with these people because I've, sp I've spent three years with them. Like I've done 12 trips to Kentucky and then we, I had a year off because of COVID, so it was shelved um, and the prisons were all shut down because of COVID. So, um, But now it's off the shelf and we're in the writing phase, so we're doing the pitch deck at the moment and then we're pitching to Netflix. So... Um, yeah, Amazon, Netflix, all that. So it's uh, pretty exciting. I'm Amazing. so passionate about it. It's going to work. But these things, like the, the passion that exudes from you there, and you talk about all this stuff, and then we look at these highlights of, of media and when they put you in the papers or they put other celebrities in the papers, and it's all this superficial stuff when these stories that you're sharing and what you do behind the scenes, and that's what I'm trying to get at, this removing the mask and go, yeah, Nielsen's actually bringing something out that's going to change and save lives. Absolutely, yeah. Like, so where do you think there, there's almost a way forward for media to really start or could possibly change things around and share the stories of the things people do behind the scenes? Because at the end of the day, I think we've, we've come so far in that the imperfections, our imperfections, the stuff that people often don't see are the things that make yeah. us think with people. It's just, you know, and the funny thing is like the media, like I've, I've been in the media a long time. I've had the worst things written about me. I've had lies written about me. And back then, like when I was in my twenties and I was in a high profile relationship, I won't go into that, but you, you obviously know, um, you know, I, that, they're brutal. Like I wasn't as thick skinned back then as what I am now. And I, I mean, I, you just got to take the the good with the bad. Um, I, I'm obviously like a bit more immune to it now, but um, the, the way forward is that they need to stop focusing on all this, you know, bullshit that they're focusing on at the moment. They really need to bring light to these, you know, more serious situations. Um, and not just because, like, celebrities are passing away or, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or not. This shouldn't matter. Like, the media should highlight this regardless of who, who you are. Like, look at the statistics. Like, male, like, there's, I think the statistics are that more men like who would have thought like men wow like I just remember when I found that out I was like gee that shocked me I didn't think that men you know that that those statistics were true but they are um you know and I was you know I I was doing a lot of drugs around the time that I had a big profile in Australia like I I was a former drug I'm a former drug addict myself um I went to rehab um I was in rehab one of the best rehabs in Australia um, for substance abuse during that exact time that all these articles and I was on television and, you know, doing modeling and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, and that was all publicized. That was all over 60 minutes, me being in rehab. Um, and it's hard. Like it took me years to get clean. 
Like I'm clean now and I used to numb my pain through doing drugs because I was in such a toxic relationship with my ex. And and so, you know, when you're in a toxic relationship with someone who's in the media, I'm in the media, he's in the media, I mean, you've got to rest. It's like a a tornado meets a volcano. Like nothing good came out of it in the end. And the, the best thing I did was get the help I needed. I relapsed. I relapsed after six months spiraled again but now years later net which is bring fast forward to now like you know i'm not as that much in the you know i'm I'm in the media but i'm not as like so such badly publicized like i was so and i'm the happiest and healthiest i've ever been and i'm not i'm not a drug user anymore i love a drink but i'm not i don't touch drugs so you can overcome it. You can overcome it if you get the right help and you get the right help with your mindset. If, if you can take us back in your mind, just, just for people to realize, because then what happens as we know is cancel culture and keyboard warriors and everything. From, from that younger woman, when you was going through that and you was also going through your addiction in the media, the spotlight, all of this content coming out about you, presumably if you're reading it as well, Take us back to how you was actually feeling so people can understand before they do jump on the bandwagon and comment when they're seeing a one-page narrative that's not your truth. How How is that for somebody in the limelight? Yeah, it's, it's debilitating. Like, honestly, like, I just remember one point, like, it consumes you. Like, one article, like, I'm not going to go into too much depth about what it said, but there was an article written about me, which is completely false. It wasn't true. It was attacking my looks um, that I was surgically, like with a, a part of my body was surgically enhanced. Um, and so what? Like, so what if I was surgically enhanced? Why are you printing this shit? Like, do you know how, like, like that makes me feel? Like, it's not a nice feeling. I mean, I'm a lot stronger now, but I remember being back then scrutinized for everything I wore. Like I remember I was rejected from a, a, a marquee at the races one time and it was all over the news, like how embarrassing, like she was rejected. Like it just, like I was in tears. It's awful. It's so awful. Like I can't begin. Uh, the media is so harsh. They can be so harsh. So um, <clears throat> I just, you know, want to say like it's I've been there I've felt those feelings those crushed feelings of like is this what people really think of me is this how they see me is that all they see me as like just this socialite that goes out that's not me that's not who I am like I don't get to speak my truth and the reason I did the 60 minutes interview myself and I went on 60 minutes around the country is because I I was so sick of being bullied that I'm like, I need to, I need to go on camera. I, I had an opportunity and I took it and, and I, and I got, and I did the interview. I got scrutinized after I did the interview because we, because I got paid for the interview. So then a whole nother barrage of media attacked me because I took money and I, I, I got paid for the interview, but just know that I've been there. I know what it's like. It's a horrible feeling, but you can can overcome it. Like, don't let them break you. Don't let them, you know, break you down to a point where that's, you know, you, to a point of turmoil because there are, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is. I got through it. If I can get through it, anyone can. Yeah, and, and in terms of that, how did you get through it? Just if there's anyone going through it and listening to this, support network, you spoke to people, and that's why... 
presumably you're such an advocate yeah. for all these conversations. Yeah, apart from the professional help that I got, um, like I got to a, a really rock bottom point where I kind of needed prof- professional help and that was offered to me. So I took that. I mean, that that's a that that for me was like a really big turning point. Um, I also started turning to spirituality. Crazy as that sounds, and I know I keep saying that word, but I never thought I was going to be a spiritual person. So I started like using manifestation, reading, um, learning up on the, um, you know, the, the law of attraction, the power of the mind, your mindset changing your vibration. When you're in a negative thought pattern, everything starts going wrong. One thing after another, just, I taught myself through books, like the secret to really, really learn how to manifest and change my mindset. And, Um, you know, create a new um, thought pattern and, you know, the power of the thought, it is mind-blowing. And I utilised it for a few years and it works. It works. And I have never looked back. And it was, I didn't didn't do this until later in life, like in my early 30s. But thank God that I did because it it saved me. Like, and if you practice it and you you learn about it, um, look, it's not for everyone but it's for me. So that for me was a really big guidance, helped me. Plus I've got a really good family. I've got my mom and I've got really close friends that have been through hell and back as well in their relationships. So they resonate with me. They, they get it. Um, and they've spent thousands of dollars on therapy themselves to get them, to get them back into a good place through toxic relationships. But, um, yeah, that's like that's, that's basically what I did. One big thing I've noticed about you, like, and, and and I've got to know you, but even following your stuff and watching your stuff and that journey, <clears throat> coming to Hollywood and knowing people around there, and like you said, a lot of it can be smoke and mirrors and friendships can come and go. Your circle's never changed. I've noticed that. Never. I am been. solid as a rock. My yeah. ride or dies are my ride or dies for 20 years. I can count, like, my close friends on one hand. The rest are acquaintances, but my rocks are my rocks for life. And, you know, I, and when I cut someone, I cut them clean. I don't, I don't usually go back. I I haven't cut a lot of people for a long time. I used to cut a lot of people, but not, not so much now. Now I'm in, now I'm older, I'm wiser. I've, I've got my, my, my rat pack. (laughs) And we're all on, we're all aligned. Once you pay attention and your eyes are opened, like I've gone down this spiritual route as well. I notice these things. It's like you yeah. just notice who people are with and it's like, yeah, they're there for a yep. reason. Yeah. They're there for a reason. And you really need to have people surrounding you in your life that when shit goes south and not everything's going to be like roses, yeah. that they're still going to be there. They're not there just for the, you know, for the Rolls Royce. They're there when you hit rock bottom and you're on the bus. Like that, they're the, they're the ride or die friends that I have in my life. Yeah. Um, and I'm that, I'm that to them as well. So it's reciprocated. And you know you found your niche when you can get that strong, strong support system around you. Um, I'm very lucky. So, um, you know, my advice to people is if you can get, if you can get what I've got, like, yeah, do it because you need those genuine, genuine people that care about you and genuinely want the best for you um, and are there for you in, you know, when times are tough. And do you think through your journey, because what I've learned as well is you do have to go through the wrong people to get to those right people. Because at the end of the day, like you said, you don't want people there for the the, the grandeur. It's like, okay, oh. be there for the grandeur, but 
when you're struggling, you need people to pick you off the floor. So when people talk about hang around with people with titles, professions, money, fame, mm. what I've learned, I, ca I can't speak for yourself, but I'll ask you what you've learned is that if they've not got morals or integrity or they're not there when you need them or vice versa, you're not there, then, then what's the point? Exactly. Cut them loose. Seriously. There's a lot of bottom feeders around. Um, you just got to filter that crap out. Like you really do uh, because your lo longevity in, in friendships and relationships, you, you don't want to, you know, you get to an age, you just don't want to waste time with these people, these types of people. They're toxic. They're not doing anything for you mentally, um, physically, like for your emotional well-being, like cut them loose. That is my best advice. Do not waste any more time on these people. Uh, life's too short. Life's too short. There are so many wonderful, wonderful, amazing people out there. Like go find them, keep okay. them. <laughs> exactly. So with everything being said, then we asked this question, obviously, when you got involved with IPC over three years ago now, um, We've come through a pandemic. We've come through a lot. You've gone through a lot more of experiences, lessons, growth, setbacks, successes. Yeah. What does being imperfectly perfect mean to you now, Kate? Well, I I feel like since we first started talking until now, like I, I'm so much more educated and, uh, you know, there's just take the, for me, it's about like, just take the pressure off yourself, you know, like don't, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, you know, you, there's always help. There's always, you know, a way out of this. There, there's people out there willing to support you. I just feel like my my level of education in the last three years is like doubled. Like, you know, with the people that I've met and and the experience I, experiences that I've personally been through in that time. Like, wow, I'm so much more open minded. I'm so much more. Um, I'm more comfortable about talking to people about this. I'm more vocal about it. Um, I've never been vocal about this kind of thing ever. I was more of ashamed about it. Even when the rehab stuff came out, I was mortified that that was on the news. Like now I'm like, wow, I'm telling the world now what I went through because I'm, you know, my eyes are open. My eyes are wide open now. So, yeah, I, I, I thank you partly for the campaign for that as well because it's it really has helped a lot of people and it's helped people like me that can raise awareness to do it. Yeah, and I just want to say, like, on behalf of me and the campaign, when I first reached out, as I said, you were straight on board. So thank you because it's made a yeah. huge difference just speaking out. Um, before we go into what else you're doing, I do need to bring up because I recently watched the Dunes which is a psychological thriller. And I got to be part of that on one day when I was shooting some stills with you and Martin. And that was a great- Oh day. yes, I forgot you did the stills. Oh my God, yeah. Glenn, I forgot you did the movie stills. And I actually got to watch the movie the other day on Amazon. So I, oh. to see the finished product was incredible. I haven't spoken to Martin yet, but just- I saw him last night. How good it was. And I was like, uh, I just remember the part where obviously I was doing production stills in the house and you guys were on the bed and all, all in the kitchen and just seeing it all come together. Like, what's the response been? Oh, my God. I'm so happy with the final product and I'm so grateful. It is on Amazon worldwide, my, my our movie. So um, anyone that's listening to this, it's called The Dunes. It's a psychological thriller. I play the lead female in it. Um is fantastic. I watched it 
uh, at the premiere and I was uh, so impressed with it. I was so shocked. I didn't realize it was going to be as good as what it was. Um, and once again, that there's some that's loosely based on a true story and there is some, you know, a lot of alcohol, uh, you know, his mother suffered from alcoholism and that's Marty Martin Copping who directed it. He, uh, he stars in it. He's my husband in the film. He, um, you know, he's been through like hell in his real life um, with, you know, alcoholism with his mother um, growing up. So, you know, I think he based the storyline around personal experiences. So, you know, I can resonate with that. I wasn't an alcoholic, but I definitely had substance abuse problems. So I, it was sort of like all these movies that I'm drawn to and all the body of work that I've done. A lot of it has been, you know, associated with like crime, mental health, substance abuse, alcoholism, any kind of anything that's sort of, you know, related to that I'm drawn to. And this was one of them. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Isn't it funny? That was good. It's like your purpose. You've gone through adversity. You've come out the other side and your purpose is storytelling throughout everything, but towards important matters. You're drawn to yeah. things that actually make a difference. So what else is new for you? Any projects coming up other than the, obviously the, uh, the true crime series? I'm doing a movie in Kentucky actually, but it's not, <laughs> I can't talk about it right now, but we do filming it in August. It's um, it's a, it's a light movie. It's for, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's a comedy. It's a rom-com. Um, so it's not my usual, like what I would throw myself into because I love the dramatic kind of stuff, but you know, who knows? I'm out of my comfort zone. So why not? Like it's work. So let's do it. Um, but the big, you know, like the big thing for me is, you know, the true crime series is, is what my baby, like that's my, well, I have the worldwide rights to that. So that's what I really want to like manifest and focus. And, you know, I think if the networks pick it up, um, that's a huge, huge win for me. Like, you know, if I can get that over the line, that deal done, oh, wow, that's, that will change my life. And, and then I can continue you know, advocating for these kinds of issues in within the prison system and 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 these problems that we're having here in the United States. So, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can like continue the journey through the movie, through the series. Where can people obviously find you? But where where can they follow this story, like your journey doing this this series? Because it's so intriguing. Yeah, well, I'm on. Look, I'm. I've called the series. It's a limited series, so it's a limited true crime series because there's a beginning and an end. So there's no season two, no season three. Um, so I've called it Nowhere to Run. So I've got the rights to the name um, because they were on the run, and then eventually it was like a cat and mouse game. They got caught eventually. Uh, so I've just. Um, I'm doing it on my Instagram page. I am like regularly uploading stuff. Um, my progress. But once, once the pitch deck is finished, that usually takes a couple of months to finish that with the graphics, uh, then I can start the ball rolling. So I'll, I will start posting a lot more stuff. But my Instagram is Kate Nielsen Official. So Nielsen's N-E-I-L-S-O-N. Well, man. So, yeah, I'm just going to do all my stuff on that. <laughs> I just want to say <laughs> thank you for everything that you do, advocating for mental health, for what you've done for Imperfectly Perfect campaign. Um and you, Glenn, you're you're like you're the substance behind this whole thing. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be on here. Well, you know what? It, it just meant, like you say, building relationships, talking to people who 
they were just fed up. They, they just wanted it out there. Yeah. Because I've been interviewed before and they've said, did you find it hard for celebrities to step forward? And I was like, actually, no. I think yeah. it was a time where people are just going, this is bullshit. I'm ready to just, like, I'm not perfect. I am imperfect. And yep. yeah, so... Yeah, and it's it's crazy because like when one steps forward, the others follow. Like it's kind of like a the domino effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it only, it only it, yeah, and yeah. plus it's a good cause. Like so, why wouldn't you want to do it? Yeah, but who would have known when we when we first spoke and we got together in Australia now, big names in Hollywood, Asia. It's just insane, and I'm I'm very grateful. But again, like so grateful, know, so grateful. The spiritual side to it, doors have just. Yeah opened and but yep yep i get it i get it i never there, used mate. to get it but i get it now but guys i'm gonna put all the links up to where you can find kate make sure you follow her journey with this true crime series because it sounds incredible um until next time guys the main thing about imperfectly perfect campaign is to have the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that really do save lives To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.